design is a phrase often used to differentiate people who are creative. But is that a talent or a skill that anyone can improve and learn to use? Hi, I'm Martin Perhiniak, graphic designer, instructor and founder of Yes, I'm a Designer. We are teaching creative tools and techniques and provide inspiration to anyone interested in graphic design and illustration. In this episode, I will be joined by Shumi Pahiniak and Emily Melling to talk about composition and typography and why they are crucial for graphic designers. This is the fourth part of a series in which we explore all the skills designers need. Today we will be discussing another very interesting set of skills. Mm-hmm. Like last time we started talking about creative skills. Moving on, continuing with that, we will discuss composition, layout and typography mainly. Mm-hmm. And these are all skills that almost everyone in the creative industry would need. Even let's say interior designers would know about composition and layout in architecture. These are all relevant and paintings as well. So these are very fundamental skills. But we will mainly focus on why is it important for graphic designers in specifically and how much you need to know about it or what's the best way of learning about it. So that's mainly what we will be discussing today. My background, to be honest, typography was never really something that I was keen on and was really interested in. And I was already working in graphic design when I started to realize the depth mm. of knowledge that you can get in typography. It is something, again, similar to what we discussed last time about drawing. That's something you can continue learning on the job. So while you are working, you will pick up new skills and you will develop skills. But if you are new to graphic design, that's definitely an area worth investing time in and learn about because it's going to benefit you in the long run. Mm Uh, I know, Emily, you were always interested in typography. You said like you, while studying at university, you already had like a natural interest in typography. Yeah, absolutely. I think like even since my foundation year, when I did an art foundation, which was a lot more kind of fine art driven. But even then, I sort of naturally veered towards exploring like letter forms and the shapes that letter forms are made from. I just have always found it quite interesting how you can sort of break every single letter down into smaller shapes. And all of these smaller shapes have proportions in common with other smaller shapes, if you mm. see what I mean. And they and they all work together to build these characters. Yeah, I think typography is one of those things that as a designer, you can decide uh, how far down the rabbit hole you want to go with it. Mm. It's important to have an understanding um, of how important it is to readability and good communication, mm-hmm. especially if you want to go into like editorial design, creating like letter or wordmark logos. But it's not essential to be able to name all of the different parts of a letter. I think especially it's not essential to be able to draw your own typeface, which mm. I've been asked a lot by people who like are looking to become designers and, you know, that people think like oh do I need to understand how to create a typeface and no not at all like Mm. if that's something you're not interested in that's absolutely fine like 
you don't have to have that skill it's more about using type to help the imagery you're probably placing it alongside and to make sure that it helps communicate the right message in a really efficient way to a viewer and i think going back to anyone that is scared to like that they have to create their own typeface you just have to bear in mind that when you are working in an agency or if you do have um in-house role most of the time that brand will have a set of fonts that they use for their own mm -hmm. assets uh, branding marketing etc so you don't have to worry so much about finding a typeface that works because it would all be provided and some brands also have their own fonts that they use so yeah without going too much into detail and trying to understand history of typography you can still become a designer it's not the end of the world but having a basic understanding between mm -hmm. serif and sans serif is actually quite useful massively yeah for sure and i think like depending on what kind of designer that you would like or what kind of design work you would like to do if you're really interested in creating like editorial and layout then you probably do want to know more about type and how to use that in InDesign and the importance of, like you say, the different specifications or classifications of typeface, like serif, sans serif, yeah. slab serif. But if you want to become more of like an illustrative designer, you might yeah. not need it as much. Or then maybe but you would get more into hand, hand lettering. lettering. I yeah. would say, especially with the rise of, of the last like five years, I felt like there has been a rise in people wanting to know more hand lettering or... Yeah get into it even as designers it's, it's actually um people if you are looking for work and if you have a nice unique hand lettering style they might be drawn to having you um, do some work for them on that mm. aspect mm -hmm. it's a really fun skill i, I wish i could do it really mm, well too. like yes. i've seen so many people um on instagram and it's amazing that amount of cool composition you can create with your own custom hand lettering mm -hmm. yeah so and lettering, again, as you say, is like a very Unique. trendy, something that is a highly desired skill for creatives to have. But it's more towards illustration, yeah. mm -hmm. while knowing about the theory behind typography and how to use type is very useful for editorial designs. Yeah. And the same for even user interface design. I think yeah, it's sure. very useful to know on web design. But there are some amazing tools out there like if you are using creative cloud adobe fonts which used to yeah. be typekit yeah is a brilliant tool that helps you to find and learn about type because it, it teaches you the classification and how to use them plus there's also this new type of fonts like the variable fonts mm -hmm. available from adobe in the applications where you can basically play with attributes of yeah. the font instead of choosing let's say the ultra-wide italic version, you just set the attributes mm -hmm. and it adjusts itself. Mm -hmm. There's also the new S yeah, SVG. SVG fonts, uh, which basically means that you can have color uh, information mm -hmm. in the font. So emojis, for example, are a good example. <laughs> There's so many new technologies, brand new and coming out and becoming more popular, makes this whole topic even more interesting. Not to mention all the different tools that you can use for creating fonts. Mm -hmm. So like the font creation itself used to be such a closed and hard thing to get into. And the tools available for it were really robust yeah. and hard to work with. But now there's these plugins for Illustrator, for example. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of that plugin. They got hold of us. Yeah, and we were planning to do a video on it because we've seen it, how it works and it looks really cool. Yep. We might be doing that in the future, but there's also another one that Jake from the Show Your Work series 
mentioned and showed me that he created his own font on the iPad. Yeah, and we will link it on the blog. It yeah, might be easier. In the show notes, we will include this. So whoever is interested in that, it's good news that even these things that used to be so difficult are much simpler and easier to get into if you're interested in it. I think typography is a huge topic again, and you shouldn't be scared. Just like last time we talked about color, you shouldn't think about it as something that is impossible to understand. No. Because if you look at the full depth of it, it is too big of a topic. Yeah. But even if you just have a general understanding mm-hmm. of basic rules and terms like, let's say, kerning, leading, these will help you a lot in mm-hmm. whatever type of design you are doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think as well, like just like a basic understanding of like how to pair typefaces was like a big breakthrough for me when I first started designing. Because once you feel like you start you can start combining like two or maximum three typefaces together in in a design and seeing how that all works and can look great it gives you like more i guess fuel to want to learn about typography because you're like oh this can really enhance my design work similar to like with color like we were saying like once you find something you enjoy working with or colors you enjoy working with you'll want to start using them more and it's the same with typefaces like i think you have like a few typefaces that you enjoy using quite a lot makes you feel more confident with them and enjoy using type i think yeah we all developed like a set of fonts that we really rely on and we use heavily in our designs. There's a f- movie I would recommend to anyone interested in this topic called Helvetica. Yeah, I think the title is Helvetica, but it is about the font Helvetica and its mm-hmm. story, how it came from the Swiss font designer and then became used like in the New York uh, underground mm-hmm. and to so many different brands are using it mm-hmm. uh, in their logo or in general areas. But in that movie, they talk to a few famous font creators mm-hmm. and also designers. And one of them really stood out to me who said that he's actually using three fonts in everything. So literally he's limiting his work, working with three fonts, but those fonts are font families. Mm -hmm. So they have a big variety, let's say 20 different styles. And from the ultra light contents to the ultra bold black version, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't even recognize that it's the same font or they can look so different that you can actually achieve a lot with them. And knowing a few fonts really well is probably better than having thousands of fonts downloaded to your computer. Yeah, I completely agree. The other aspect of this conversation that we started is about composition and layout, which I think connects well with typography because graphic design in general is about combining type and imagery and images is another obviously huge topic we can talk about next time but when it comes to combining them together is when we talk about composition so (laughs) how you fill a page whether it's a web page or a printed page and how you find a good balance between the content is a skill on its own Mm -hmm. and again a skill that can be hard to get but again it's something that you can't really say like okay I, I've learned everything about composition it's again something you develop and you improve and you get better and you again can even develop a style in composition some artists that you can even recognize if it's a page layout you would know it's that person mm-hmm. because there's so much variety you can do with it but just like with type learning the fundamentals and basics is a good starting point yeah. And in my opinion, one of the hardest things to learn when you start out doing compositions 
is the way you work with negative space. That's even to this point, I feel like I am usually making the mistake of filling up too much of the area or the space that I have and I'm not leaving enough space empty. Some people call it white space, some people call it negative space, but generally what it means is that you keep some breathing space around your content, which can be the type or images, and that is a skill on its own how to utilize negative space. What do you guys think? Is that something you find difficult or is that something that yeah, was always easy? Um, I think I'm one of those people, I just sort of experiment and see what works. I don't really have a system in place, to be honest, and uh, I think maybe it's because I just don't stick to the rules but don't don't follow me I'm just <laughs> one of those people that just tests out different things and see what works mm-hmm. I, I don't really have a system in place but maybe Emily can explain it better I think I have like the opposite problem to Martin in that like I don't fill up space enough and I think this is something a lot of designers sort of do tend to lean towards either putting too much in or not enough in and it's to do with style and like the way that you like to present your work and present work but I'm sort of like the opposite to Shumi and that I use grids loads so I think you love experimenting and like when we collaborate together you're a lot freer and a lot more relaxed when you're like putting things on a page and you're happy to like really go for it and really experiment whereas I'm more like grid based. I think that is a problem actually because I don't use grids alignments i don't even use columns i think when i was first went to a company and i had someone's work and they had like so many grids and columns that made me really nervous i thought like i had to align everything to a grid and i'm not used to working like that i like to just have a blank canvas and use the space to the way i feel it's align right. your elements to each other yeah rather of. than the grid and the mm-hmm. column yeah, so this is obviously like there's a school of design where they would they would stick to a very rigid grid system and mm-hmm. they would make sure that everything fits. But when I started out, I thought that if you are using a grid, your designs will always look very like structured and very mm-hmm. like it's in a matrix and it's like mm-hmm. yeah, it's everything looks like a grid. It just freaks me out to be honest. <laughs> But I found that whoever is really good at using grids, you can't actually tell that they are using yeah. it yeah. because it's so well hidden inside the composition. Mm-hmm. But there's an underlying structure which was really mathematically thought of. Yeah, like for me, like when I set up a grid, I don't necessarily like stick to it like 100%. I won't let the grid control my work. It just creates like an underlying rhythm in the document that I'm making. So if I'm in InDesign and I set up like a two or three column grid, it just gives that rhythm to like length of my sentences or the way I place images. And like if the composition isn't working with the grid, I'm happy to just ignore it on that page, if you know what I mean, and continue going because that underlying sort of theme and rhythm still stays for the rest of the document. Yeah. So I found in terms of like editorial when you're working in InDesign, that's why I find grids useful personally. But I don't think they're essential no, all the time. And I don't I don't think there's any right and wrong way of doing mm. it. A lot of designers would use grids, some will use columns, some stick to a specific sentence length. There isn't any right and wrong. There are obviously rules that you should try and learn and have a vague understanding of like design principles. But you can be a bit more free. Mm. That's the way I feel anyway. And I think that kind of develops the longer you design in your career. I think it's like important to mention as well, if anyone doesn't know what we mean by like grids and like compositional theory, is like 
in design in general when we're working sometimes designers will use a simple column grid or a baseline grid and like understanding a little bit of information and doing a little bit of research into grids if you want to be a designer will be useful because then you can decide if you want to use them in your work and not even if you don't like using them but you're aware of what they are Mm. you know and it is good to just be aware of so if you do want to become a designer just have a look and see if you think they could work for you and then try using it and if you don't like it i did use it when i first started out i used uh, grids and columns even like alignment i did start off like that then i think i got into habit of seeing a grid without having a grid if you know, if yeah, you know what i mean yeah that's even <laughs> an invisible great. grid yeah so i think it's just innate in you now. yeah it just it just comes naturally it's similar to drawing or sketching like for example when you're sketching you might uh, do detailed trees whereas now you can just do scribbles you kind of have a vague understanding in general anything like grids and guides are always there to make sure things look organized and consistent Mm -hmm. so they are not there for you to be forced into a certain structure Mm -hmm. they are there to help you basically be consistent like the baseline grid in Mm -hmm. InDesign is to make sure that the text is always in the same place because when it comes to let's especially a printed book Mm -hmm. you don't want the lines to be in different places because paper can be Mm see-through the thin paper and then it can be hard to read things Mm -hmm. when they are not aligned to each other. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that goes into these systems and why they are there in the first place. Mm -hmm. But these are all things that you can learn on the job and you don't Mm -hmm. actually have to know everything about them. And again, like we talked about it before, you can work with grids or without grids. The end result is what matters. And as long as you have the understanding what's a healthy composition, how to create balance and just a general pleasing layout, it doesn't matter how you get to it. These are all just different tools and helpers you to to get there. Yeah. And I think this is another thing is really easy to learn if you're looking at what other people are doing a lot. Like if you look at posters, look at the way magazines are laid out, look at flyers and billboards. And just when I was like really struggling with composition and trying to get an idea of how to fill up space, because I just wouldn't use enough or I wouldn't use enough space and everything would feel like it was just sort of swimming around the page. I found it really useful to just go out and just look at everything and like really try and understand why is that element so much bigger than the picture below it and come naturally as you start looking at things. I don't know if you guys found the same thing, like the more design you look at, the more when you go to sit down, you seem to just be able to sort of get the hang of it. Yeah, I think before I do any sort of design work, whether it be illustration or graphic design, I would create a mood board. It doesn't have to be a mood board specifically uh, on InDesign. It can be just pins, um, mm. which I love. I can't, I can't start a project without having a vague research or an idea of a similar style friends um I, I just can't work like that I, no. i'm not that free i'm not that great to just have a blank canvas and just come up with something i need to just have a vague understanding and a vague reference you need some visual input I, yeah mm-hmm. and i think a lot of designers work like that as well i think almost everyone yeah i think having that visual stimulus is how you start yeah. coming up with ideas and there is no such thing as original ideas i i really don't think anyone everyone's design is inspired by something 
or based on something, something existing. Yeah. yeah, it's about finding references you like. You pick th certain aspects of them that you would like to implement, mm -hmm. and then combining those together into something, and that turns Absolutely. into something new. So yeah. yes, that's uh, that's a really good point, Emilia. I do think that one of the best ways your layout and design composition is going to improve is through observing and finding really good reference. Yeah, and, and composition in general and working with type because they are so vast in terms of like what you can do and, and also can be quite difficult to judge sometimes because some people might say your composition is great, some people might say that it's not that good. There's not always like an exact rule that you mm -hmm. need to follow. Sometimes breaking those rules will actually result in a better design. Yes. But I think learning about these, the best way is by doing. Yes. yes. Yeah, like you can read 10 books on composition and still at the end you won't be able to do a better composition mm -hmm. until you practice and you actually apply things that you've seen either from references or, or places where you learned to your actual work. Yeah. That's when you will actually start improving and you will see the improvement with each design that, that you do. And we, that's one of the main reasons we actually started the pro membership on our site, because we feel like just simply having the online courses are already great because we are teaching a lot of skills, mainly technical skills. But being able to create a nice composition is not simply relying on your InDesign skills. It also relies on your understanding all of these things that we talked about mm -hmm. and having the practice in them. So the reason why we created the Pro Membership is to give a place for our students to show us how they apply the knowledge mm -hmm. and how their composition looks like. But most importantly, for us to be able to give feedback on it, mm -hmm. both a direct feedback on one-on-one, -on -one, just replying to their designs or mm -hmm. the assignments that they sent us, of submissions but also through the webinars that we are doing for yeah. this closed group and also through our facebook group where not only us but also the other students can share their opinion on each other's work and we can see the improvement in all of these pro members each work that they submit is better than the previous one Absolutely. yeah and i think again like you said obviously we have this feature and um which is great if you want to submit and improve your work However, if you are starting out, if, even if you're an established designer and you've come up with something great, well, for you, it's great. And the best way to get feedback on your composition is probably just to ask someone else, mm -hmm. ask a non-designer, it does this look okay? Because if it looks odd for them, then something isn't right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really good piece and of advice. I felt like that when I, even before I even started design, when I was like 15, I used to have a bad habit of buying magazines. I just used to love pop magazines. Yeah. But I was already drawn to something. If something looked odd, I would notice it. And yeah. I was so young, but I still was really fascinated about the layouts of a magazine. Yeah. So these are the th things that you should sort of like observe uh, magazines. Or even if you're going for a coffee, check out the branding of a shop. Product. Product. We are surrounded by design and yeah. the best way to improve is to observe and see how others are doing it. If it's great, try and do it become like them. If not, try and avoid doing that. Yeah. And like also constantly annoy your friends by talking about it all the time, <laughs> which I love doing. Like going to yeah. a restaurant and looking at the menu like, oh, this could be better. And they're like, can you just not? Yeah. <laughs> Please <laughs> stop. Yeah. Cool. Uh, 
Okay, so uh, I think that wraps up this episode and we will continue talking more about creative skills in the next one. We covered quite a lot already, but there's still more to talk on this topic. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it and thank you for uh, listening and tuning in. You can find all the show notes about the things that we mentioned, the useful links, Mm -hmm. and also make sure you check out the blog post where you can read more about uh, everything in more detail. Cool. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. I hope you found this episode of Yes, I'm a Designer podcast useful and will motivate you to keep on learning whatever you decide to master. Subscribe to our newsletter if you want to be notified about our latest projects and receive weekly doses of inspiration and insight into the creative industry. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and watch our weekly videos released every Monday. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and Pinterest. Don't forget to send us an email to info at yesimadesigner.com if you have anything to share or say about this episode or if you want to propose future topics for us to cover in the podcast. If you want to start learning from us, we recommend to join our pro membership, which will give you access to all of our courses and a lot of premium features like getting personalized reviews of your submitted designs. You can find links in the description to all of our platforms and everything else related to the things we talked about in this show. Thanks a lot for listening and have fun learning.